Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. This week on Seizing Life, I'm happy to welcome Matt Peroni to the podcast. Matt has lived with epilepsy for over 30 years, but it wasn't until his daughter Abigail was diagnosed at the age of four that he felt compelled to do something to raise awareness and funds for epilepsy. Having played in bands for much of his life, Matt created Epipalooza, an annual multi-band concert that takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina. Matt is here to, to share both his and his daughter's epilepsy journey and tell us about Epipalooza, which has expanded to a second concert in 2023. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. To kick things off, why don't you tell us how epilepsy first entered your life? Sure. Uh, thank you. Um, so when I was 16, um, I had my first seizure. Uh, I woke up just a normal day, uh, went to go take a shower. And the next thing I knew, uh, I, I was having a seizure. You know, I was unconscious, had a tonic-clonic seizure. Uh, the door was locked. My mom had to run in and unlock the door, and she found me having a seizure. The next thing I knew, uh, I woke up and I was in the hospital, um, and that was it. I, they didn't diagnose me until, um, you know, I had my next seizure, so there I was. Um, 16, sophomore in high school, and uh, really just didn't know what was going on. And that was kind of how it first entered my life. Now, you know, so you're, you have the second seizure, you're diagnosed with epilepsy. What do you know about epilepsy at the time? And what did your treatment journey look like? Uh, We didn't, we didn't know anything. So Prior to the second seizure, they were going to, you know, they were going to put a 24-hour EEG um, and, and you know, see what it was, see how long it was going to be, um, you know, see everything about that. Um, and then I had that second seizure and, you know, that's when they diagnosed um, epilepsy and, and when they shared it with me and my mom, uh, you know, we, we didn't know anything. Um, and truthfully, they, they didn't really share a, a ton with us. You know, I was talking to my mom, uh, you know, recently and just kind of confirming whether it was what I remember, um, or, or not. And they, they really didn't share a ton. And, you know, it's not like today where you can go look things up or have all this research and, and everything. And I certainly don't fault them. Um, at all. We didn't know what questions to ask, but just really didn't know a ton going into it. Did you get a specific diagnosis? You know, I was thinking about that. I don't think so, but speaking to my neurologist, you know, as an adult, I think it was uh, like JME. Um, Juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what that I have or have. Yeah. So you get the diagnosis, you don't really know much about it. Were you able to get control of the seizures? What kind of medications and and what were the side effects? Sure. Um, Certainly. Um, Luckily and gratefully and fortunately, I was and am able to get control. So he had prescribed uh, Depakote uh, right from the start. 
I, uh, we never had to try different types of medications or anything. Um, had to try different dosages and that certainly had its, uh, side effects. You know, I would get nauseous and would be vomiting and lightheaded and, and everything like that. Get sent home from school and, um, until we found the right dosage. Um, but the Depakote certainly worked for me, um, and was able to control my seizures. So those two seizures and, knock on wood, you know, uh, ha have been it for me. Um, and I'm extremely fortunate and extremely grateful for that. Now you're diagnosed with epilepsy at 16, which is, you know, a super simple, easy, unemotional time in all of our lives. <laughs> uh, she says with dripping sarcasm, you know, what was that like? How did it affect you socially? Did it affect you academically? Did you Have you noticed any difficulty in your schoolwork, be it from the seizures or side effects from medication? Yeah. Um, so academically, you know, I, I was in honors classes and things like that since like seventh grade or whatever. And I think that I noticed... Well, this is all looking back. I didn't notice these things at the time. It's not like, oh, hey, you know, I think that my uh, reading went down or whatever. Um, but yes, my reading comprehension just dropped. Um, I couldn't really get that stuff going anymore. Um, and like my mom also shared that um, that I had the opportunity to take the SATs untimed. Um, but she said that I fought it. And I said that I don't want to do that. Um, because, you know, in life, you're not necessarily going to always have these opportunities to get all, you know, to, to get to do all these things, which I, I don't, I, I believe her, but I don't, I don't remember uh, that at all. And uh, she said that I, she also feels that I didn't want to be singled out. So, you know, I certainly then had these emotions and things about this, you know, living with epilepsy. You know, I definitely did not broadcast it. I obviously am quite different now. I'm very vocal about it. And I think that everybody should, well, not everybody. It depends on how you feel inside. But I want to raise awareness about it and everything that I do about it. Um, because I want to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. That's how I feel. Um, but then, you know, being 16, I certainly know that I was not wanting to just say, Hey, look at me. I mean, who at 16, no matter what it is, there's not many people that are just, Hey, look at me. I'm, might have you don't want to be different, right? I, you want to yeah. blend in and, and be like everyone else. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that 30% of those diagnosed with epilepsy do not respond to current medications? That is why for 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been committed to inspiring hope and delivering impact by funding patient-focused research to find a cure for epilepsy. Learn more about our mission and our research by visiting cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. You talk about how fortunate you are that you were able to get control with the with the medication and that, you know, knock on wood, you've been seizure free. But that doesn't mean that you haven't gone without comorbid complications. And 
I think that this is so important to talk about because I think you bring up a really good point here where you're saying how you want to you want to be an advocate and you want to raise epilepsy awareness and and to that point your story is so important because you are in the majority two thirds of people are able to get control of their epilepsy but they may not understand that there are all of these other comorbid complications specifically mental health that go hand in hand with that so even though you're not having seizures that doesn't mean that you're still not being Uh, impacted by your epilepsy. And I think that not having that knowledge can be very, very isolating. I'd love to hear your experience and your thoughts on the mental health implications that you personally experienced and became aware of over time. Yeah, that, that is the biggest part for me is um, raising that awareness, you know, the relationship between mental health and epilepsy. And for me personally, that is what, you know, happened in, in 2020. It, it took a huge toll on, on me um, and those side effects and those in that relationship. Um, you know, unbeknownst to me for 25 years, 1993 and until, you know, the early uh, 2020 or, or whatever, um, it was slowly building for me. Um, you know, I, I saw like a therapist here and there for you know, just a point or whatever, but never did I realize what the toll was taking on me, um, whether it was the epilepsy itself or the side effects from uh, the medication. You know, Depakote certainly has its set of side effects, and it's also a mood stabilizer as well. It treats, you know, other people besides just uh, folks with epilepsy. Um, but in early 2020, uh, I started to have... 15 different things that were going on in my life, whether it was, um, you know, the pandemic or workplace trauma or, um, you know, my daughter's epilepsy, um, all these different things that were going on. And it slowly started to unravel, switching from Depakote to Topiramate, all these different things. And uh, it just severely mental, affected my mental health. And um, I, I hit a wall. It affected me to the point that I uh, took a leave from work. I voluntarily, you know, gave my uh, kids to my ex-wife. Um, uh, I, I just really had to climb out of a lot of things. And I didn't realize it was then I learned about the effects of uh, epilepsy and mental health but it didn't leave me at a point of anger or anything. It left me saying, all right, this is something that I can learn from and be an advocate from once I crawl out of this place. Yeah, I wish that there was more information or that more epileptologists were checking in on the mental health of their patients. or raising the flags and the awareness that this is something to be on the lookout for. Thank you so much for sharing that piece of your journey, because I I do think that it is so important that people are aware and that there is help out there and that it is not uncommon specifically for people with epilepsy to have, um, you know, specific problems with their mental health. And it makes sense, right? It's all in the brain. It's all coming out of the brain. Was there anything specifically 
that helped you, as you say, sort of crawl out of the hole that you were in? Yeah. I mean, I went to therapy for five days a week um, for about two months every day. Um, and that certainly helped me and helped stabilize me. Um, but then when that was done, I um, came up with a plan um, because, you know, like when people are in AA, they have a sponsor or something like that. So I came up with a plan to find 10 friends of mine. And, um, you know, it was impossible for every friend to to be reliable, to call on me or whatever, because I had constant contact every single day. And I knew I'd be missing that come January 1st. Um, so I created a calendar, you know, like there's an app calendar or something like that. And I said, all right, guys, like, here it is. I open it up for two weeks at a time. And all you have to do is just want, you know, each of you just pick one day for two weeks and then we'll call, you know, call me whatever time you want. You know, I leave absence. So I have free time. And, uh, and then, so these 10 friends, uh, one of them would call me each day. Um, and this went on for, I don't know, four months. So I have, I have an amazing group of friends that would just take an hour of their time once every two weeks to call me. Um, and it just, you know, it wasn't like, Hey Matt, what, you know, Hey Matt, how are you? It was just, we would talk about every, anything and they would, they also felt that it helped them. So I wouldn't have been able to do anything without a network of friends. I love everything about that and think that is, is such an amazing idea, an incredible tool that any of us can employ when we are um, in a rough spot. Because I also think that it's it's something concrete. I, we do have friends and family who love us and want to support us. And then to be like, this is how you can do it, to give people direction on how they can actually help you. I think that's that's something that people want because they do. They want to help us, right? Now, you mentioned this briefly earlier, but your daughter, Abigail, has also been diagnosed with epilepsy, and that certainly impacted your mental health as well, because it's, you know, it's one thing to be diagnosed with epilepsy yourself, and it's it's another thing to watch your daughter now be diagnosed with something that you're all too familiar with yourself Talk to us about that, how she was diagnosed and and that impact on you as a father. So she was had her first seizure when she was four, just a month after her fourth birthday. And at that point, um, you know, I, I was still married and she was just downstairs watching TV and we were all in there and she was supposed to have a friend come over. She was supposed to go to a friend's house. And it was like, okay, you know, Abigail, let's go upstairs. And she was ignoring me. And it was, okay, you know, Abigail, let's go, let's go. And this went on for a little bit. And finally, it was like, okay, like, if you're not going to come, then, then, you know, you just won't go to your friend's house. So I lifted her up to bring her upstairs. And um, she was just looking the other way. And I'm just walking and walking. I'm just assuming that this four-year-old girl is just ignoring or playing or whatever and then I get her upstairs and 
I started to put her into bed or something and she's just looking at the wall and I realized that she's unconscious and you know unbeknownst to me like she's just having an, an absent seizure a focal seizure and I was like I'm like she's unconscious like she's not just playing and so I brought her to the ground and like then she's just kind of like you know completely out of it and she started to vomit and um then like that was it you know I called called him up called down to her mom and like called 911 and then she starts you know convulsing and having a tonic-clonic seizure and the whole rest just happened and um the paramedics came and then she had you know she stopped and then um she had another one i think like in the ambulance or on the stretcher down the road now was it was it easier to diagnose her because you had epilepsy or what what did her diagnostic journey look like no they didn't diagnose she didn't go on medication either right away they they did the same thing a wait and see like oh she's young this could be you know it could just be a one in a one time thing um but um you know it was certainly extremely scary like she slept in our bed for like a couple days like and we had an a one-year-old as well um but I didn't want her to sleep in her own bed like at all like it was but then she had um she had that was december 30th and she had her next seizure in september and so then she was diagnosed with epilepsy and started on medications i assume yeah uh, and we're not convinced that that first one was her first one so based on the way that the others happened initially she vomited um so this first one was during the day but all the rest were at night and so like she woke up one time we realized before that she vomited in her sleep and everything so we think maybe that that actually was the first one but um but yeah uh, all the rest were focal seizures at night she would go to sleep and then she would like a half hour after she would have focal seizures, vomiting um, during the, the seizure. And so she was then prescribed zanisamide, um, um, and the, you know, I guess the dosages weren't right or weren't working, and she proceeded to have nine more, so a total of 10 between. September of 19 until June of 20. And what of what was it that eventually helped to get better control of her seizures? Uh, upping the dosage, um, I think the frequency as well. I think at the beginning it was just maybe once a day. Upping the dosage, the frequency, and then uh, June of 2020 with an increased dosage and then we also switched diet, changed her diet and changed the modified Atkins diet from just a normal diet to a modified Atkins diet. I'm glad to hear that that helped get her better control. How is she doing now? Um, she has been seizure free um, for 18 months. So she had a breakthrough seizure about a year later 
after that. Um, but she's been seizure free for 18 months. That's amazing to hear. And I hope that she has continued seizure freedom via the diet, which I know can be incredibly challenging, especially for a young child, but it is, it's encouraging to hear. I wonder, you know, as someone who has epilepsy, what did you tell her? Were there insights that you were able to give her, ways you were able to help or comfort her that were unique to you and your experience? You know, when she first had like her first EEG, like I was able to say, you know, well, daddy had this and daddy has these from time to time. And when, you know, she would be taking medication, you know, I would say like daddy takes medication every day. You know, at the beginning, it was certainly, it would be just those types of things. Um, wouldn't go into detail about epilepsy and, and so forth. I mean, she was four years old. Um, we didn't go too much into detail. But now I, I do and we do talk to her um, about it a lot more. Um, you know, especially when it comes to her diet. So she's not on the modified Atkins diet anymore. That went from June until about December. She's now just on no added sugar and no refined flour. So the no added sugar and the medication has been working great. That's great. Um, but now, you know, I'm able to talk to her um, and describe, hey, you know, when you go to school, you know, do people ask you about why you bring your lunch to school and why you have different snacks like you know how do you describe it to them you know what do you say you know etc and you know this diet is part of your medicine and daddy takes medicine every you know and things like that and we, and we talk about that um but to go back on to that i wasn't presented the mental health side of it you know i'm able to look at her and say okay this perhaps is giving her anxiety, whether she's talking about it or not. Now I can look at it through that lens. Well, maybe I didn't get it, but now I can be aware of it for her. So if something is presenting social anxiety and she doesn't even realize it, then I can be on top of it and see what can we do now. That's incredible that you can be on the lookout for that for her. Um, and I think, you know, that important information for all parents of children with epilepsy to be aware of. So I know that your daughter's diagnosis was one of the impetuses or the major impetus for you to start doing some epilepsy advocacy, specifically uh, founding Epipalooza. Can you tell us about that? Sure, thank you. Um, so she had her first seizure at the end of 2018 and I sent emails out uh, January of 2020. So I, I started immediately. I just knew that I wanted to start giving back. Sadly, I took everything for granted um, prior to that. My own epilepsy, uh, the community. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I didn't know anything about epilepsy. Um, you know, it just wasn't really something presented to me. It was, I take this magic pill and I don't have seizures. So I started uh, Epipalooza and I was like, the only thing I know is music, you know? I know music, that's, that's, all, I, <laughs> that's all I know. Um, so I 
called the venue that I've played before. I booked the venue and then I just found some artists that, that um, I've talked to before um, and they agreed to play and then my band would play and that was it. I put on that first show and um, raised some money and raised awareness um, because that's what I wanted to do is people learn about epilepsy. Uh, my own neighbor, uh, I learned through this, you know, in my old house, her son had has epilepsy. You know, things that just the more you speak about it, the more six degrees of Kevin Bacon there is. Um, I mean, talk to somebody at church and, oh, my nephew has it. And like, that's what I try to get to tell people is like, hey, if you can't donate, please, I totally understand. But just spread it. You have no idea how many people are affected by this. I mean, you, you know, we know the numbers, one out of 26 um, will develop epilepsy at some point in your life. You look around your office, if you go to an office now, and you look around your office and like 26 people are right there. So just, I just want to spread it. And then now that it's grown larger for me, like the awareness part, it's really about for me, spreading the mental health aspect that we've talked about. So uh, Epipalooza is a concert and um, it's raising awareness. And Epipalooza has grown from that first concert. You're in its fourth year and um, you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, but you are expanding to my current home state of New Jersey. Talk to us about that. I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, I am excited too to have the first uh, world tour, as I've called it, um, and bring it to New Jersey. So me being born and raised in New Jersey, I thought that this would be the great time to hold a second event and do one in New Jersey. So this year it's going to be um, in Teaneck, New Jersey. And since I'm 30 years seizure free this year, um, I thought it would be just a great way to, to celebrate and um, hold one in New Jersey. So this year there's two, one in New Jersey and one in Charlotte. Cannot wait. Tell me what I can expect. I'm going to be attending with my 10-year-old son. Um, what can we expect when we arrive? Uh, well, there's multiple bands. Um, it's just a great night of music. And then um, we'll be having um, one or two speakers. I'm still ironing out the second speaker. But um, this wonderful girl, Sophia, she has um, a blog, Milo and Me, and I've met her through um, the Instagram channel that I do. And, um, you know, I try to get every year some people who, you know, live with epilepsy so that they can share their story. Um, because, again, just being that voice for those that don't have a voice is just what I believe in so much. Uh, it's just so important. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we have. It, you know, uh, I think it's just a night that people can enjoy. Now I understand that it is a family affair and that your daughter Abigail is involved also. Talk to us about that. How does she get involved in the evening? Um, she gets involved in two different ways. Um, the one in Charlotte, she won't be able to come to the one in New Jersey, but the one in Charlotte, she and I sing a song. It's a song that I wrote. Um, and you know, I just, the first night I was just like, oh, you know, do you want to come up with me? And, um, but last year, you know, she came up and she gets a little shy, but, um, 
she she enjoys it. Um, and then last year she had an assignment in school that said, you know, what do you want to do in 22 years? One of the things she wrote was, uh, I want to raise money for doctors. I think it was. And I mean, I saw that and no, I want to draw. I want to raise money for doctors by drawing. And I mean, I saw that and it was just in, like, you know, broke my heart in a good way. And I was like, how can I do something? How can I do something with this? So I, was, I had her draw a picture and then I put it on magnets and pins and buttons and then sold those. Um, so this is the one that she drew last year. Uh, I love it. And then this year she drew one, which they're supposed to come today or tomorrow. And uh, her theme was togetherness. She drew like a house and stuff like that. So, Cannot uh, wait to see it. You know, Matt, I wonder as someone who lives with epilepsy and also being the parent of a child with epilepsy, what advice do you have for other parents who have a child with epilepsy or other parents who are living with epilepsy themselves? Hmm. Um, I mean, one, like everybody's journey is different. Personally, I, I know that I'm extremely fortunate. Um, and as a parent, like I, I understand like, I, I do understand how, um, how scary it is. Like it, uh, and that's even in our world where we still are, are really fortunate. Like even when she was having seizures, like once a month, we're, we're still so fortunate. Like I, I, I don't take any of that for granted. Um, but I still like the, the advice from where we sit, like I still just come back to the mental health because that's where it affected me so personally. So like, I just want everybody to know that because if you know it, it's a, it's an avenue that maybe you can get on top of before it goes like, you know, gets away from you. Yeah. 100%. The more you know, the better you can be on the lookout and then the better that you can treat it either in yourself or in others. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your journey, for sharing your daughter's journey, and of course, everything that you do as an advocate within the epilepsy community, specifically Epipalooza. I personally cannot wait to attend April 29th in Teaneck, New Jersey. And then I know that you have another concert in Charlotte. So anyone in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, June 3rd, make sure that you head to cureepilepsy.org. There's information there um, on the Epipalooza concert. Google it, whatever you need to do, but get out. Let's support it. Matt, thank you so very much. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Matt, for sharing your and Abigail's epilepsy journeys. And thank you for all that you're doing to raise awareness and funds for epilepsy through Epipalooza. For 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been dedicated to supporting patient-focused epilepsy research with the goal of finding a cure. If you would like to help us achieve that goal of a world without epilepsy, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Cure Epilepsy, inspiring hope and delivering impact. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual specific health situation.